Hey everybody, it's Dan Dan, and today we are diving into a tradition study. One, you got to blow that out of the book, get the dust off it, and think about it. The traditions are this, some sort of, you know, a foreign thing to so many people in AA today. And it's actually the fabric or the, the weaving that holds us together. The, the traditions are the methodology by which we find success. And as we step into the second tradition, a lot like the second step, we're going to look towards a higher power, look for this greater authority, and how do we let that, you know, govern this whole thing? In the first tradition, we learned about this anarchical idea, right? That it's utter anarchy. But there's that paradox, right? Through obedience, I become free is the basis of it. Through surrender, I get free of alcohol. There's lots of metaphors and analogies in that respect. Tradition two is that way as well, but it really focuses on a specific example. And that is a, an example of Bill being offered a job, which by all means met the rational and logical test. It, it made perfectly good sense. And this is the value of group conscience. This is the value of fifth and sixth step work that we go out and we get outside information, that we get outside counsel because of that vicious thing, that ancient problem called rationalization will come into my mind. And it'll turn uh, uh, sometimes crazy things into perfectly rational and reasonable and logical arguments. And then there are those arguments that are perfectly logical, that are perfectly reasonable, like righteous anger. And it talks about that. We want to be rid of it, even if it's completely understandable, we want to address it. The second tradition seeks to address that stuff through a group conscience that a God, good orderly direction, right? The great objective decisions. God is going to manifest himself in our group conscience. The key to it is that we back off our opinions, our fears, opinions, and habits. That's Danism, right? Our foes, our foes, foes, F-O-H, fears, opinions, and habits. That we back off of that and allow God to express himself in our group conscience. So here we go, tradition two. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Boy's gonna get into that, we'll talk about it in a second. Where does AA get its direction? Who runs it? This too is a puzzler for every friend and newcomer. When told that our society has no president having authority to govern it, no treasurer who can compel the payment of any dues, no board of directors who can cast an erring member into outer darkness, when indeed no AA can give another a directive and enforce obedience, our friends gasp and exclaim, this simply can't be. There must be an angle somewhere. These practical folk then read tradition two and learn the sole authority in AA is a loving God, not God's uh, not your manufactured God, one God, a loving God, capital G, as he may express himself in the group conscience. They dubiously ask an experienced AA member if this really works. Does this really work, Bill? The member, sane to all appearances, immediately answers, yeah, it definitely does. The friend mutters that this looks vague, nebulous, petty, naive to them. Then they commence to watch us with speculative eyes, pick up a fragment of AA history and soon have the solid facts. And that AA history includes some pitfalls, some jumps, some things that didn't go so well. 
And the traditions were written based on the written correspondences between AA and the different groups of AA as they wanted to fragment and do their own thing or have a governing authority, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. And there's a foundational story we'll get to in a second. What are these facts of AA life which brought us to this apparently impractical principle? And we're going to go to the famous guy. We've all heard of this guy, John Doe. John Doe. John Doe, a good AA moves, let us say, to Middletown, USA. So John Doe must have got a transfer or something. I don't know. John Doe's all over the place, right? He's in morgues everywhere. But today he's moving to Middletown, USA. Alone now, he reflects that he may not be able to stay sober or even alive unless he passes on to other alcoholics what was so freely given to him. Doesn't seem like a baited statement, right? Nah, no. He feels a spiritual and ethical compulsion, something driving him, a drive, something greater than himself because hundreds may be suffering within reach of his help. When was the last time you thought about that? Have you gone to a meeting thinking, today might be the day I need to go. Today I might find that newcomer and I'm gonna dive right in. Have you become willing, made that commitment with yourself that when you show up anywhere, whether it be AA, church, work, home, somebody's in need, you've become willing, you've committed yourself prior to getting there that you're going to do something about it. Hmm. Then too, he misses his home group. He needs other alcoholics as much as they need him. So he forms a group, right? He visits preachers, doctors, editors, policemen, and bartenders. He goes out seeking this with the result that Middletown now has a group and he is the founder. Woohoo! Way to go, John Doe. Being the founder, he is at first the boss. I'm the group boss, man. I founded this darn here group, right? Who else could be? Very soon, though, his assumed authority is assumed authority, which was right to run everything begins to be shared with the first alcoholics he has helped. At this moment, the benign dictator becomes the chairman of a committee composed of his friends. These are the growing group's hierarchy of service. Self-appointed, of course, because it can't be any other way, because there is no other way. In a matter of months, AA booms in Middletown. Hmm. And it's all because of John Doe, of course. If it wasn't for John Doe, there would be no AA in Middletown. And he's going to get to believe it. Maybe, right? Maybe. The founder and his friends channel spirituality to newcomers, hire halls, make hospital arrangements, and entreat their wives to brew gallons of coffee. Being on the human side, the founder and his friends may bask a little in glory. I really am all that, right? <laughs> they bask in a little, little in glory. They say to one another, perhaps it would be a good idea if we continue to keep a firm hand on AA in this town. After all, we are experienced. Besides, look at all the good we've done these drunks. They should be grateful. True, founders and their friends are sometimes wiser and more humble than this, but more often at this stage, they are not. Just keep that in mind. Growing pains now beset the group. Growing pains. So we get these in recovery too. We get these growing pains, right? We get the one, two, three, and it's all about me. I find God and it's really just all about me at that point. One, two, three, and it's all about me. Growing pains. It's the same thing. I discover something and I do it and it works and I just get so wrapped up in it. The pink cloud, all these different, the rose colored glasses, all these different things get brought to it. Growing pains. It even talks about that and both in the 12 and 12, right? Growing pains now beset the group. Panhandlers panhandle. Lonely hearts pine. 
Problems descend like an avalanche. Still more important, murmurs are heard in the body politic. So the politic is a decision-making body, and the body politic, which swell into a loud cry. Do these old-timers think they can run this group forever? Let's have an election. The founder and his friends are hurt and depressed. They rush from crisis to crisis and from member to member, pleading. But it's no use. The revolution is on. The group conscience is about to take over. So in this particular example, it happens naturally, right? In this particular example, the leaders or the founders are resistant to the idea. They're resistant to the idea. But everyone out there knows that delegation is a skill. And the better I can delegate out things in my life, the better I am able to do that, the more peace and comfort I have in my life. If I'm going to change my own oil and mount my own tires on my car, I'm going to spend a lot of time doing that. Is that how I want to spend my time? Or do I want to think about this in terms of there's people out there that do this as a profession and for a little bit of money, I don't have to spend my time doing it and they perhaps will do a far better job. And I think that's true of the group conscience, you know, that they may even do a better job. They may do something better than I'm going to do because there's more of them to do it. The more minds at work, the better the decisions that get made in a lot of cases. Also, thing out there, we'll talk about it in a second. Now comes the election. If the founder and his friends have served well, they may, to their surprise, be reinstated for a time. If, however, they have heavily resisted, and they have in this case, heavily resisted the rising tide of democracy, they may be summarily beached. In either case, the group now has a so-called rotating committee, and that's important that it's always changing. People get new opportunities, very sharply limited in its authority. Here's a critical sentence. In no sense whatever can its members govern or direct the group. In no sense can the members govern or direct the group. They are servants, not saints, not senators. It's going to get into that. Theirs is the sometimes thankless privilege of doing the group's chores. That's the reason to do it, serve others. Headed by the chairman, they look after public relations and arrange meetings. Their treasurer, strictly accountable, takes money from the hat that is passed, banks it, pays the rent and other bills, and makes a regular report at business meetings. The secretary sees that literature is on the table, looks after the phone answering service, answers the mail, and sends out notices of meetings. Such are the simple services that enable the group to function. So there's a description of the basic group function, right? The committee gives no spiritual advice, judges no one's conduct. This is a really difficult one for a lot of groups in modern life. Issues no orders. Hmm. Issues no orders is another one that's difficult. Every one of them may be promptly eliminated at the next election if they try this. And so they make the belated discovery that they are really servants, not senators. There you go. These are universal experiences. That means that it's not, you know, your group isn't outside of this. Something that um, I've seen myself is where groups kind of get this idea that, well, I don't know that applies to us. And what they're wanting to express to us is, indeed it does. There are no, no exceptions, no exceptions. Hmm. They are universal experiences. Thus, throughout AA, does the group conscience decree the terms upon which its leaders shall serve? This brings us straight to the question. Does AA have a real leadership? Of course it does. Most emphatically, the answer is yes, notwithstanding the apparent lack of it. 
Let's turn again to the deposed founder and his friends. What becomes of them? As their grief and anxiety wear away, a subtle change begins. Ultimately, they divide into two classes known in AA slang as elder statesmen and bleeding deacons. Which one are you, right? Here we go. The elder statesman is the one who sees the wisdom of the group's decision, who holds no resentment over his reduced status, whose judgment, fortified by considerable experience, is sound, and who is willing to sit quietly on the sidelines, patiently awaiting developments. In other words, they allow. They don't put so much trust in their opinion. They don't put so much value behind their thoughts. They don't think their profession means they're the sole source. They don't think that they are anything other than there to serve. Just waiting on things to develop. And here's the, here's the bleeding deacon. This is critical to think about, ready? The bleeding deacon is one who is just as surely convinced that the group cannot get along without him, who constantly connives for re-election to office and who continues to be consumed with self-pity. A few hemorrhage so badly that drained of all AA spirit and principle, drained of it all. They're like just hanging out because I'm the darn GSR. Drained of all, all spirit and principle, they get drunk. That's a dangerous thing. So the bleeding deacon is perhaps a problem. At times, the AA landscape seems to be littered with bleeding forms. Nearly every old timer in our society has gone through this process in some degree. Happily, most of them survive and live to become elder statesmen. They become critical sentence. They become the real and permanent leadership of AA. So the elder statesman is the real and permanent leadership of AA. Think about that. You're fine with however it goes. It just doesn't matter. It's not that you don't have a vote if you go to the business meeting or you don't have an opinion. You're going to leave it alone on however that group conscience expresses itself. Hmm. So we go on. They become the real and permanent leadership of AA. Theirs is the quiet opinion, the sure knowledge, and humble example that resolves a crisis. When sorely perplexed, the group inevitably turns to them for advice. They become the voice of the group conscience. In fact, these are the true voice of Alcoholics Anonymous. They do not drive by mandate. They lead by example through the principles. This is the experience which has led us to the conclusion that our group conscience well advised by its elders, will be in the long run wiser than any single leader. And of course that's true. A whole bunch of data comes in when we relax and let other people talk. You can learn so much from other people. Really, the, the idea is this, that it's kind of like a customer and service person relationship in a lot of ways, and that the customer is a genius, right? They know exactly what they want. They know exactly what they want to pay, and they know the result that they're after. And if I can just be the idiot that just doesn't have any opinion about it all, that just answers their questions and seeks to fulfill their desires, then the leverage of my professionalism may well have a strong influence. But until I can humble myself, I will not have the ability to do that. And it's humility, once again, gives you the ability. Hmm. When AA was only three years old, an event occurred demonstrating this principle. Here is the story. One of the first members of AA, Bill Wilson, Entirely contrary to his own desires, was obliged to conform to group opinion. Here is the story in his words. So this is Bill's story. One day I was doing a 12-step job at a hospital in New York. The proprietor, Charlie, summoned me to his office. Bill, he said, I think it's a shame that you are financially so hard up. So finances isn't a reason to make the decision. All around you, 
All around you, these drunks are getting well and making money, but you're giving this work full time and you're broke. It isn't fair. Charlie fished in his desk and came up with an old financial statement. Handing it to me, he continued. This shows the kind of money the hospital used to make back in the 1920s. Thousands of dollars a month. It should be doing just as well now, and it would if only you'd help me. So why don't you move your work in here? Why don't you move AA into town's hospital? Why don't you come on in here? We're going to make it comfortable. We're going to make this thing right. I'll give you an office, a decent drawing account, and a very healthy slice of the profits. Three years ago, when my head doctor, Silkworth, began to tell me of the idea of helping drunks by spirituality, I thought it was crackpot stuff, but I've changed my mind. Someday, this bunch of ex-drunks of yours will fill Madison Square Garden. Happened. <laughs> Happened. Hmm, and I don't see why you should starve meanwhile. What I propose is perfectly ethical. You can become a lay therapist and more successful than anybody in the business. So think about this for a second. Every bit of that makes perfectly logical sense. Every bit of that is absolutely rationally thought about. It's good business sense. It's ethical practice. It aligns with the current mission. It seems to offer support and guidance and finances to AA that might help it explode. It seems to bring on a lot of things that would seem like the right thing, right? They would seem like the right thing. So this is rational, objective. It's not spiritual. And that's what we're going to find out. So this is how it goes. I was bowled over. There were a few twinges of conscience until I saw how really ethical Charlie's proposal was. There was nothing wrong whatever, whatever with becoming a lay therapist. Nothing. Nothing wrong with that. I thought of Lois coming home exhausted from the department store each day. He'd be helping his wife, only to cook supper for a household of drunks who weren't paying board, continuing to support him. I thought of the large sum of money still owing my Wall Street creditors. He's eager to make amends. I thought of a few of my alcoholic friends who are making as much money as ever. And the example is out there, right? That this is possible and it's good to do. Why shouldn't I do as well as they? Perfectly logical, rational thought. Although I asked Charlie for a little time to consider it, my own mind was about made up. Racing back to Brooklyn on the subway, I had a seeming flash of divine guidance. Hmm. It was only a single sentence, but most convincing. In fact, it came right out of the Bible. A voice kept saying to me, the laborer is worthy of his hire. So now it's spiritual in his mind. It's religious anyway. It's religious because the spiritual end of it is going to be, how does God express himself through a group conscience? How does he run this by outside counsel to get a helpful decision-making process in place? What is he missing? What is blind in the blind ambition here? What is it, right? What is it? Hmm. Arriving home, I found Lois cooking as usual, while three drunks looked hungrily on from the kitchen door. I drew her aside and told the glorious news. She looked interested, but not as excited as I thought she should be. Uh-oh. It was meeting night. Although none of the alcoholics were bored, it seemed to get sober. Some others had. So he's had like no success keeping drunks at his house, is what he's saying. But other places they've stayed sober, so he keeps doing it. With their wives, they crowded into our downstairs parlor. At once, I burst into the story of my opportunity, excited to tell them. You guys aren't going to believe this. Never shall I forget their impassive faces. Hmm. <laughs> and the steady gaze they focused upon me. 
with waning, waning enthusiasm. Like, oh, this sounds uh, maybe not so good. My tail trailed off to the end. There was a long silence because <laughs> I'm excited about it, but they see something I don't see. Can I be humble enough to hear it? Can I be less certain? You know, have that door of certainty at least cracked open. Maybe I'm not absolutely sure. You know, I'm, I'm just not utterly convinced myself completely. Almost timidly, one of my friends began to speak. We know how hard up you are, Bill. It bothers us a lot. And he's going to start knocking back the rationalizations. Hmm. It bothers us a lot. We've often wondered what we might do about it. But I think I speak for everyone here when I say that what you now propose bothers us an awful lot more. Like this thing's going to bother, but th what they're hearing, they're like, oh, 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 wait a second here. We hate that you're broke. We hate that you're not able to make your amends. We don't like the idea that, you know, somehow this thing's totally disorganized and maybe we could use some support, but what you're talking about bothers us a lot more than all of that, right? The speaker's voice grew more confident. Don't you realize, he went on, that you can never become a professional? Don't you realize this? Never become a professional. As generous as Charlie has been to us, so it's not a lack of gratitude or a, a negative thing about Towns Hospital or something about Charlie. As generous as Charlie has been to us, don't you see that we can't tie this thing up with this hospital or any other? It must remain drunks helping drunks. You tell us that Charlie's proposal is ethical. Sure, it's ethical, but what we've got won't run on ethics only. Spiritual. Spiritual is the key. It has to be better than ethics, better than logic, better than reason, better spirituality, right? It's got to be better better than ethical. Hmm. Sure. Charlie's idea is good, but it isn't good enough. This is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death, Bill, and nothing but the very best will do. Challengingly, my friends looked at me as their spokesman continued. Bill, haven't you often said right here in this meeting that sometimes the good is the enemy of the best, that when we settle, when we compromise, we walk away from the best it could be. We walk away from it that good is the enemy of best. Hmm, good enough. How many of us work a program that's good enough? How many of us don't like the group conscience because we're just going to do what we want to do? How many times have we thought, hmm, I'm not going to participate, or we let our attitude about things get in the way of stuff? Have we let good because we're actually fine? Why do I need to be involved with that, right? I'm fine. Good gets in the way of Best. It's the enemy of best. Well, this is a plain case of it. You can't do this thing to us. You can't do it to us. I don't know about that statement, right? So spoke the group conscience. The group was right, and I was wrong. The voice on the subway was not the voice of God. He told us earlier that this faith, this type of faith that we think God is leading us and, and without any outside counsel, that we believe the still small voice is correct so long as we don't share it with anybody and we don't want to hear the naysayers. We don't want to weigh it against other ideas. We don't want to think about other possibilities. We only want what we want the way we want it when we want it. And we sit here and we blame it on or put it upon or give God credit to. Because whether you blame it on God or give God the credit, we blame bad things on God and give God credit for the things we like, right? It's the same thing. We're saying that God is the reason. And when we move it to outside counsel, we can see a lot of our bad things are really opportunities. 
Some of the greatest opportunities come from difficult moments. And we see that our good things, our so-called blessings, are built all in with burdens. All your blessings come with burdens. All of your burdens come with blessings. I could see I was wrong. The voice on the subway was not the voice of God. Here was the true voice welling up out of my friends, out of outside counsel, out of people that can help. I listened and thank God. Thank God I obeyed. Obedience to God gives us this freedom, obedience to spiritual principles, to seeking outside help. Call your sponsor, right? Go to a meeting, ask them on the basis of the AA principles, how does this sound and get feedback? Hold each other accountable. It's right there. Hold each other accountable. His little group of drunks hang out in his house, held Bill accountable. So important. So how well are we doing with that? Here's a great tradition discussion. How well am I open to being held accountable to the decision-making processes in my mind? Am I sharing any decision I have to make, especially important ones that involve relationships, money, finances, and how my decisions affect other people, the common welfare? How am I bringing that stuff to bear in the working of the 12 steps of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous? It's a tough question. It's a really, really broad question. There's a lot of different ways to think about it. But even so, when I make a decision, when I make a decision to, that affects money, when I make a decision that affects relationships, I'm always affecting other people. When I make a decision that affects my AA group, am I thinking about my welfare ahead of theirs or their welfare ahead of mine? If I'm making decisions about my family, am I thinking about my wife and my children and my dogs? And am I thinking about all these other things that I affect? Am I thinking about them first or am I thinking about me first? And the way to do that is to get with your sponsor, get with your group, get with a group of drunks, God, right? Group of drunks, get that good orderly direction, God. Step out of that gift of desperation and quit being such the independent thing. Because this is, here's the critical idea of the whole second tradition. How, the question is this, how do I know when I am playing God? Well, you know it when you don't seek any outside counsel. When you think you're the sole arbiter of all the information. When you think right now, as you make a big decision, you have all of the answers contained in your own intellect, your own logical capacity, your own capacity for reason, because you do not have that, not even close, not even close. And you're not giving God a chance to express himself through other people to you. Remember your job, bring God into the world, go into those difficult things and be the peace where there's turmoil and be the love where there's hate and all those things of the St. Francis prayer. At the same time, you're to also, during your times of decision that affect other people to think of their welfare first and to seek outside counsel to allow God to speak to you through other people, especially those strategically placed people that seem to just pop up on a perfectly timed basis. Anyway, that's your discussion today. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Talk about how you put the common welfare of other people first by allowing God to speak to you and help you make decisions when it affects more than just you. I hope you have a great discussion.